Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will cover herpes simplex virus infection in pregnancy. Herpes simplex virus infection is prevalent worldwide among women of childbearing age. During pregnancy, the major concern of maternal HSV infection is transmission to the fetus as neonatal infection can result in serious morbidity and mortality. Infection can occur transplacentally in utero antepartum or the majority of the time actually happens intrapartum. Now, let's talk about the classification of genital HSV infection. There are three classifications of genital HSV infection, primary, non-primary first episode, and recurrent infection. For primary infection, the patient has a first occurrence of a genital HSV lesion and no pre-existing herpes simplex type 1 or type 2 antibodies. For non-primary first episode, the patient has a first occurrence of a genital HSV lesion but has pre-existing HSV antibodies that are different from the HSV type recovered from the genital lesion. For recurrent infection, the HSV type recovered from the genital lesion is the same type as pre-existing antibodies in the serum. Both type-specific serological and virological assays are usually required for accurate classification, except in the case of a well-documented recurrent HSV that was previously confirmed by culture, which is infrequently done now, or polymerase chain reaction. Type-specific antibodies to HSV generally develop within the first 12 weeks after infection and persist indefinitely. Accurate classification is particularly important during pregnancy because newly acquired genital infection, either primary or non-primary first episode, near the time of delivery is a major risk factor for transmission to the neonate. We'll cover vertical transmission intrapartum a little bit later in the podcast. For diagnosis, the clinical diagnosis of genital herpes simplex is generally made by the finding of a vesicular or ulcerated lesion but should always be confirmed by laboratory tests. For women without a history of genital HSV who present with an active genital ulcer during pregnancy, it's important to collect a direct viral swab by unroofing the vesicle or swabbing the base and sending it for PCR. At the same time, type-specific serological tests for antibodies should be done in order to appropriately classify the infection. Genital HSV infection is diagnosed by a positive viral swab of the lesion. Type-specific HSV serology at the time of the initial presentation, once again, is necessary for classifying it as primary, non-primary, or recurrent. Now, for women with genital ulcers and a high clinical suspicion for HSV, but a negative viral test of the ulcer, it's important to repeat the serological test three to four weeks later. If this repeat test demonstrates seroconversion of either type-specific antibody, then the diagnosis of primary infection or non-primary first episode, if other type-specific antibody was positive at baseline, can be made. If there is no seroconversion, then the genital ulcer was unlikely to represent herpes simplex viral infection. Remember that the ability to actually detect herpes virus by PCR by a swab of the sore actually depends on the freshness or the acuity of the lesion. 
Okay, well, let's cover general principles regarding vertical transmission. Transmission of herpes simplex virus to the neonate usually occurs during labor and delivery as a result of direct contact with the virus from infected sites like the cervix, vagina, vulva, and the perianal area. Yes, it is possible to have transplacental in utero exposure, and we'll cover that in just a minute. The key principles for understanding vertical transmission are as follows. Most women with newborns that are perinatally acquired HSV infection actually lack a history of clinically evident genital herpes, so that needs to be said again. Most mothers of newborns with perinatally acquired HSV lack a history of clinically evident genital herpes. The highest risk for neonatal infection occurs in women with a primary genital HSV infection acquired around the time of delivery. The risk of neonatal infection is slightly lower in women with non-primary first-episode genital infections and subsequently reduced in women with recurrent HSV. Viral shedding can occur in the absence of maternal symptoms and lesions. The frequency of shedding is higher in HSV2 versus HSV1 types of infections. Now, although the type of genital HSV1 or 2 affects the risk of neonatal transmission and neonatal sequelae, clinical management of pregnancy is not influenced by the specific HSV type. All right. Now, in utero infection acquired transplacentally or transcervically across the amniochorionic membrane has been reported with primary HSV, and it could result in miscarriage, congenital anomalies, preterm birth, or intrauterine growth restriction. Recurrent HSV has not been associated with these outcomes. In utero acquisition of infection should be considered in cases of early neonatal HSV infection despite pre-labor C-section with intact fetal membranes. Lastly, the use of invasive fetal monitoring and preterm birth does increase the risk of neonatal infection in patients with active viral shedding. Okay, so this session has served as an introduction or as a background to our mini-series covering herpes simplex virus in pregnancy. In part two, we will cover specific points for pregnancy management. We'll see you then. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 